Welcome everybody back to Bit About Crypto. I'm David James, the Job Whisperer, and uh, welcome to. It must be two p.m. Yep. California time, yep. right? Five, yep. 5 p.m. in New York, East Coast, because you're hearing to a new uh, episode of Bit About Crypto, and you're listening to it on Spotify or Apple or YouTube. And once again, I'm with my co-host, Dave Hampton, the robo-recruiter. How you been? Doing well. Doing well. So uh, we actually are the owners of uh, Blockchain Recruiters, and recently we've repurposed our entire recruiting firm solely to be in the blockchain space because we'd had enough of what? Construction. Yeah, some construction. And, you know, and COVID really changed a lot of things. So uh, just for your listeners, this show is a human interest uh, story. We bring a lot of people in. We bring a lot of guests. We bring a lot of opinions. And ultimately, the thing they have in common is uh, that crypto is in their life somehow or it found them somehow. And that's what we're about. So I just want to get this out of the way early because we're not going to go back to it later. So if you're looking for a job in crypto and you want to get a hold of me, I'm... uh, you can get us at blockchainrecruiters.net, net, net, net. And if you want to get a hold of me personally, I'm the BTC recruiter at, well, I'm at the BTC recruiter on Twitter. That's what I am, right? And if you want to send a resume and an email, send it to Dave. Dave. Yeah, if you want a response. <laughs> Dave at blockchainrecruiters.net, all right? You can also call me. Yeah, you can, yeah, you can, you can call him if you want to talk to him. There it is. Putting that out there. Okay, 858 for those of you on Spotify and Apple. 254 6938. That's right. That's right. And so the purpose of this show is, is, is for you to know that we aggregate talent in the blockchain worldwide. Worldwide. I don't care if it's technical or non technical. We, we actually have people right now who are actually aggregating people. We put them in these big boxes, and then when you need them, we know how to get them. We're one degree of separation away. So, uh, so yeah, that's the word from our sponsor. So, David, um, so, you know, uh, one of the things that you got me into was, so for our audience, so David and I met in 2014. He, I, he, he applied to be a job, uh, to be a, a newbie recruiter. I was building recruiters from scratch for uh, a recruiting firm. And he sent me a resume, and I threw it away. And then he called me, and I was going to blow him off. And he says, well, I said, can you call me back later? And he said, I'm calling from Afghanistan. He said, you said, can you call me back at 3 p.m.? This was, this was a timed, I, I, I purposely t- uh, called you around lunchtime thinking I could catch you before you went to lunch. Right. And you said, can you call me back at 3? And I said, uh, I, uh, I could, but I'll probably be sleeping yeah, by Yeah, I'm calling be- on a sat phone. Because I'll be, yeah, because yeah. I'm in Afghanistan. Yeah, and right then I said, okay, if this dude's going to do that, then he's got what it takes to be a recruiter. I hired you. You told me you're going to be the best recruiter I've ever hired. And like, like all that say that I said, sure you are. You actually did, Right. We found it necessary. I told you, hey, I'm leaving this firm. And you said, not without me, you're not. That's right. right. That's right. And so you, yeah, you, you. you foiled my plans, and we started a firm together. We co-conspired. Right. right. Yeah. But one of the things that you challenged me on while we were together is you said, hey, how often do you read? And it's just like my reading game got weak. And you said, I read a book a month, right? And I, I started literally uh, looking to different things to read, right? And so <clears throat> I actually found this one author who was like speaking on things that every time he'd speak to me, uh, like through, you know, through, through the written uh, correspondence he put in various publications, I would go, wow, I never thought about that. And so I kept looking for him and looking for him. And then all of a sudden I saw that he had a patron channel and I started following him back and forth. And, and to this day, to this day, my perception of crypto, a macro perception of crypto, I'm not necessarily what it does, but how it's going to occur and why the people will gravitate to it and why governments are running it. Every day, every day, every time I get a, a writing from him or I see he's doing a YouTube channel or something like that, he has, I mean, since I'm a subscriber, he actually has something that comes out, uh, a video that comes out on YouTube every Wednesday and every, every Sunday. And I flock to it like a, fl- a fly to the flame. And I know that I spoke to you about it, but to this day, right, I still wonder where he's getting this information because it resonates with me true. And before we get to him, the whole thing about Bitcoin, I, I, when I think about the Bitcoin argument, I look about the people who I think are the smartest. I think about Michael Saylor, so much smarter than me. I think about Preston Fish. I think about Jeff Booth. I think about Robert Breedlove. I think about these people, when I listen to them speak, it's like they're so much smarter than me. And universally, they say, hey, Bitcoin is the way. But <clears throat> I... I I don't know if I'm putting him on blast too much, but I almost think he has got this alien 
way of amassing correct knowledge that resonates only at the highest vibration, right? And I, you, I, how many times have I actually said to you in the office, hey, Tom Luongo said, I, I, how many times have I quoted Tom Luongo to you? Uh, Countless, I'm right. assuming. Right. <laughs> oh, yo, now you're assuming. Wow. <laughs> wow. How to not become a co-host on my show, uh, right? Just the guest. I mean, I, I don't know what's off of my head. It's, it's that lot. many. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Well, that's well, why I said uh, countless, okay. right? Yeah, nice like, save. Like, yeah. Anyhow, with no further ado, I'm so, so, so fortunate, so flattered, so honored to have on today's show, Tom Luongo. Thank you so much. Dave, uh, David, it's great to be here. Uh, thank you for the invite. And thank you for the very, very, very kind words. Yeah. So, Tom, uh, other than your, your current, uh, the way you actually occur as a pontificator of all things political and accurate, um, let's talk about how you came into the world, like from birth to like high school. I know you're from upstate New York. What was your socioeconomic uh, situation like? Uh, I grew up, uh, dad was NYPD. Mom was a nurse at a local psychiatric hospital. I grew up in upstate New York, um, Orange County. Uh, I went to, if for anybody who cares, I went to Monterey Woodbury High School in uh, Central Valley, uh, right <laughs> off of the interchange between the, uh, the New York State Turnpike and Route 32. For those of you who know that area, like right over the hill from West Point, right over the I know that area. Yeah, David worked at West yeah, Point. I, I, so I used to work the, at West Point, you, yeah. <clears throat> okay, so, you know, I, I grew up within 20 minutes of West so Point. Near Cornwall, uh, essentially, right? Yeah, well, no, actually the next town over from Cornwall. Yeah, As exactly. a matter of fact, yeah. my property lot, my parents property line of the house that i grew up on uh the back half of the development that i lived in was actually the cornwall school district oh okay so we were so from my house north was uh modern woodbury and from my house south or south of my house was all cornwall and yeah. i had friends who went to cornwall and um oh yeah so um what i grew up a pretty much a suburban middle-class white kid gen x and uh star wars fan like that's this is my gig and you know had my first paper out of 12 like you know same worked at and worked at the worked at that same local Not private psychiatric hospital you know washing dishes and cutting grass and all of that stuff and for my both my mom and my dad and uh because my dad when he retired from the nypd he, he took over the maintenance department there so that was my my formative years in that respect and like the work ethic and all of that it's just just came from there but it was a middle class italian working class household um and uh, uh i left i i just knew one thing when i graduated high school i didn't want to be in new york anymore that was it so i went to the school of the university of florida uh in gainesville and i've been there in and around that area ever since uh, I got a degree in chemistry and a minor in English literature. I'm about two, still two classes away from a um, uh, degree in English, uh, and uh, studied, you know, British American poetry and, you know, physical chemistry. And uh, you know, Did I you could have either I could have either you know become a non-professional poet and starved to death, or <laughs> I could have easily gone to graduate school and done high energy. Physics. It's it's not too late. Get a brain, go to Starbucks. You're there. I, I don't want to do no, I I gave that life up years ago. I have a yeah. friend of mine who's, Me too. who's, who's taken yeah. that who I have a friend of mine who uh who got his law degree. He practices law and publishes poetry on the side. So, that's that that's oh, his gig. It's like like, like so, uh, Wallace Stevens, right? Doctor and then poet. Yeah right? no yeah absolutely like Wallace Stevens the who was an insurance adjuster and the only one of that era of American of American and British poets of the modernist era who actually had a real job. The rest of them were yeah. Yeah. Uh, or in and out of mental institutions. So you always reference hockey. So I'm assuming you were like a, a Sabres fan or I was. yeah. Right. I'm just, I still am. I just don't follow the sport. Yeah. Anymore. So um, are you more hockey than anything else? I am at this point, but here's the thing. Here's the gig. So coming out of, you know, like during the nineties, I, you know, I grew up a football and baseball fan in the United States. You know, I, you live in my area of the world. You are a Yankees fan. Yankees fan. And then eventually, you know, I had to give them up because, because of Steinbrenner and, you know, and then I understood <laughs> that the national league game was better and, you know, committed heresy and became a Mets fan. Um, <laughs> wow. So, my, my, but brother, still, my brother's but, a Mets but fan, never, so. never did I graft. Never, never did I, did I drift from the Giants to the Jets. I mean, let's. There's just uh -oh. certain things. Yeah, you, just don't don't well, you, yeah, you have some. Dignity. You don't like to lose. Some so. dignity. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And I yeah. never once. And I never right. once rooted for the Red Sox. So, um, but eventually, both of those sports. I just hated the 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 corporatization of both of those sports. They just became very, very obnoxious. Certainly, football became scripted to the point of it wasn't even interesting. Baseball coming out of the the first strike and lockout. Um, 94 it just right? became it became long ball and it wasn't interesting anymore 
Uh, and I gravitated towards back towards hockey in the late nineties when I felt like a cable again, I hadn't had cable through college, right. I didn't have cable even after we, I had my first job coming out of college for fiber. I didn't get cable until the late nineties. So I'm watching ES, ESPN. I'm watching the Sabres play the flyers and, you know, Stanley cup playoff match in, in uh, the late nineties. And I'm like, it was the Mike Pekka era of the, of the Sabres. And I just, I watched him climb Eric Lindros and beat the crap out of him. And I'm like, y'all are, you're my team. And yeah. that was it. And I, I just remembered falling in love, how much I loved the, the sport, even when I watched it briefly back during like, you know, the, 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 the 80 around the, you know, the, the Lake Placid miracle on ice and all that. I was in, into the sport for a few years. And then what happened after that was just really weird. I started blogging in say 2003 with the goal of being able to write something that I could submit to Lou Rockwell over at lourockwell.com and actually have him published. About 18 months of doing that, eventually I sent him something that was that I thought was decent. Eventually, coming out of the lockout, the NHL lockout, I started a blog to write about the Sabres because uh, nobody in the hockey blogging sphere was covering. So I said, you know, I'll, I'll start something. Uh, and I wound up in the hockey blogging uh, world and uh, met, you know, all the guys and, and wound up at that point being one of the, this is very, very early on when the blogosphere was very, very you know, early on where, you know, we all, where RSS was still not a universal thing. I mean, it was really <laughs> early, right? So, you know, where people's blog roles matter, let's put it that way. Cause that's how we found other blogs and that's how we found other people. Um, and I just, I fell in with, you know, uh, Eric McElwain over at Offling Opinion and James Myrtle and all these other guys. And we just became the vanguard of that. We became the, the vanguard of the hockey blogging sphere. We eventually all got picked up by AOL. And I wrote for AOL Fan House for a while. Uh, they weren't paying us, but we got with the sirens called. They would pay us eight bucks a blog. I'm like, ooh, I get paid to blog. Like this is cool. And so we did that for a while, and that was fun. And, and eventually, it fell apart. Uh, and then eventually, I just kind of over time, I eventually just drifted away from it all because, as you know, I was working professionally as a chemist, and at that point, I was living away from home and working on a research project for. Uh, uh, I couldn't go into this and the high energy. Uh, 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 electrochemistry. I was doing uh, electrolytes and nickel boron. Where did when did talk about like meeting Camille? Oh, oh shit! I met, I met Camille in college. Um, oh, his and, wife. And uh, you know, I, 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 for me, it was just love at first sight. It took her about two years to figure that out. I, I, I got a series. I got a story like that with my current wife. I love at first sight. Yeah. We went yeah. from drop dead creep to you're everything I've ever dreamed of. But it took her. Uh, well, uh, I know. I, I only got that about. Two years ago, to be honest, <laughs> we've been doing this for we've been doing this for thirty years. I've been we'll be married thirty years in 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 uh, February. Well, actually, con congratulations um, on that. I mean, it's just, well, no, she's the the greatest woman in the world. And one of these days, I have to have her on my live stream, and we need to talk movies because she's the the best. She's got the best story instincts of any screenwriter I've ever seen. So tell me, um, uh, tell me, tell me, how did crypto find you? I found it by mistake. Okay, no mistakes. I was so heavily, okay, so I'll explain. This is this is interesting. So in 2010, right, we're between the 2008 presidential run of Ron Paul and the 2012 run, uh, run of Ron Paul. By that point, I'm kind of a semi-regular over at, uh, over at uh, Lou Rockwell. I've got, you know, I can email Lou and he'll respond to me. And, but at that point, there was this, this site called The Daily Paul. And I don't know if you guys remember this or not, but it was a great site that just aggregated everything, all mentions of Ron Paul. And then people around that and the Mises Institute and antiwar.com and all that. So there was a, The Daily Paul was kind of the, the, the place where, you know, proto, pre like Zero Hedge and all that, where those people got together. And one day I'm trolling The Daily Paul and I see over on the sidebar some, a thread in one of the, uh, you know, in the latest. Uh, threads in the comment, uh, the message boards was, hey, check out this thing called this new this new alternative currency called Bitcoin. Now, I had already been in the alternative currency space. I had you know been in the Liberty dollar and buying gold and silver and all of that for years. I already had effectively alternate currency on Wii because I watched all these projects start and then they didn't go anywhere, right? So, or they were shut down by the government in the case of the Liberty dollar. Um, and so, I clicked on this thing and I was heavily thinking at that point uh, about a, a, a creative project. And I wanted to do a, a I wanted to do a foundation like story uh, about the corruption that based on around the corruption of an uncorruptible currency. 
And I've been thinking about it for months about how to crack this thing and yada, yada, yada. And I didn't know anything about cryptography. So I was having, I was, I was going off in the, you know, into La La Land. And then I clicked on this thing, got in there, immediately read the Bitcoin white paper and went, oh, they did it. They created the uncorruptible currency. I get it. I read the white paper and I, I immediately grokked what was going on. This was June, late June, 2010. Okay. Okay. Now I downloaded the client. I mined a couple of blocks. Some of the original 50 Bitcoin blocks I mined on an old Intel CPU. This was in the days when you could mine individually mine Bitcoin on a, and don't Intel tell CPU. me you lost those coins. Oh, they're all gone. Of course they are. Yeah, they got stolen off of Mt. Gox. Okay. All right. So I probably would have sold them, you know, at the first sign of a hundred dollars. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Go on. So I don't, I don't even feel bad about it anymore. Cause why, I mean, why even, but I can tell you that when they got stolen uh, and that was around, they were around two twenty a piece, $2 and 20 cents a piece. And I had literally, I had more than 200 Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Cause I sold an old video card on like the original version of Craigslist for Bitcoin. Right. To a guy for 200 Bitcoin. No lie. An old AMD, uh, you know, 3000 series or you know, whatever, the, whatever video card I had at the time. And um, uh, 12 million in today's dollars. At least. Yeah. yeah right? No, so, exactly. Right. Okay. $12 million. Oh, $12 million. Card. There you go. And, <laughs> and I was just, I was just kind of, you know, trading them. I remember getting on the Mount Gox when they were trading at 5.5 cents a piece and being so cheap, I wouldn't pay 5.6. <laughs> okay. okay seriously yeah because yeah. i didn't believe in bitcoin i thought it was cool i was you know i was noodling around writing some stuff and you know behind the scene you know those uh by 2011 i was unemployed for about two years mm -hmm. um the job i had down in south florida ended i tried my hand at uh you know, day trading and you know living off of my ability to uh time markets and that ended badly uh, eventually i got picked up by newsmax in 2013 after i started writing for seeking i started writing for seeking alpha to pay the bills making you know, 30 40 50 bucks an article and of course i'm writing about stuff that nobody gives a because anything about right i'm writing about gazprom in 2013 and you know you wrote for Gat, you wrote for seeking alpha and you wrote an article about gazprom you made 12 dollars, right so uh because it was all just based you know penny a page hit and uh, I had a couple other gigs where I, you know, you know, we get paid ten dollars an article and five dollars an article, and it did SEO work on Elance and all sorts of stuff. But um, um, no, I really did pay my dues, like writing like mm -hmm. hundreds and hundreds of, you know, thousands of words a day just to, you know, make thirty bucks, because there was no, there was no call for a chemist in his early forties with a BS and no, and no, no MBA. Or master. Yeah, you as a recruiter, I, I we we get that. So so, but but then 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 a shift came, right? Because you you do believe in Bitcoin, and you believe oh, I, you, well, I, you, it, you believe in some others too. I believed in Bitcoin as a concept. I never, I never, you know, once the, the coins got stolen, I'll be honest. I got you know I got discouraged, and I said they, they ignored it for years, back and all, all the way until about 2017, to be honest with you. Um, and, you know, I didn't even go in and back in and buy anything or even look around. I, I, uh, people would ask me about it all the time because I knew about it. And I understood, you know, I understood I'm like, this is really great technology. I just don't think it's going to go anywhere. Like, Got I it. just don't see, I just, I would check in on it every few months and I'm like, I'm not seeing anything here. I'm not, I don't see the there there. I wish I did, but I didn't. Right. And if I had the, the, if I had the vision that I have now, oh yeah, well, you and I wouldn't be having this conversation. No, I, mean, I don't. I own my own private island. Yeah, no, so I'd be I, one of those. I'd be one of those guys with a wallet that has so many Bitcoin in it. I haven't moved that I would just wouldn't. Even, yeah, no, you, you would have people who had people who had people to get to you if you wanted to. Yeah, no, right. no, seriously. So I, I, my 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 marriage would have been dead because you know I would have been banging a cabana check. I mean, it was, so so, <laughs> so I, I, I mean, we joke about we joke about my 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 wife and I joke about this all the time. Like, yeah, if we had made that much money at that point, in our and life, she'd yeah, be okay with it. She'd be no, okay. She wouldn't have been. I don't know that she would have been okay with it, but eventually it would have probably killed the marriage. The woman, the woman is never okay. Right? No, yeah. the woman is never okay. No, it's oh, only I, the man uh, can't okay. be monogamous, right? I, 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 I thought I, I, right. I, I thought you so, were saying she was, but go on. 
All right. So, um, no, no, that, that we, we both had discussed this multiple times in the mm. past. We both go, yeah, this wouldn't, that wouldn't have worked. It's actually a good thing that it, you lost that you lost those Bitcoin. It was actually her fault because she used my computer once, got a key logger looking for my world of Warcraft account. And the guy was able to get not only that, but my Mt. Gox account and stole my Mt. and stole and logged into Mt. Gox, stole everything. They were holding everything on chain at that point. And that was, it was gone. They were done. So, so, so here's the thing. I, 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 I would be remiss not to talk about these things because, because I have you. Because I always say, I wonder what Tom would say. I talked to my my friend who's been on this show, right? And he goes by Uncle Jim. We, he's the, he's the guy that got me into Bitcoin, talked to me about Bitcoin. He's the guy that I got my first email from. He's always been like my older brother, and we've been friends for over thirty years. And we we talk about what what would Long was thinking. So I wanted just we're going to come back because all these things are going to tie into as it relates to Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. Sure. But I want you to talk about first off either the election of twenty twenty two, or the infrastructure bill. I personally don't think the election the infrastructure bill is ever going to be put on Joe Biden's desk. I don't. Nope. Okay, and, and 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 so, what do you see happening uh, in the election of twenty two twenty two as it relates to the House and the Senate? Uh, if the if the here's my caveat: having not really looked at how well the states have hardened their election laws, and I'm not talking about the places where they're actively not going to harden their election laws, and we're talking about places like Virginia and California and New York and the rest of them. If everybody who suspected um, the f- levels of fraud that we saw in 2020 hardens their election laws, that they look like um, the situation in Florida is now. You saw what happened in Florida in 2020. I mean, we you hardened mean, our you election mean, laws between 2016 and 2020. Okay. And Florida, and he won Florida in a walk, and he'll and Florida's. This, I don't. I don't even know that even the safe Democratic districts in Florida are are safe anymore. I think they're all purple. Um, I. People made that I have friends who will disagree with me about that. Um, I think that if the fraud isn't off the charts, then the Republicans will take the House. And I don't just mean like rhinos. I mean, honest to God, patriots, for lack of a better term. They may be Trump Republicans. They may be what I like to call Trump tards. They may, it doesn't matter. You'll see a 50 to 60 seat swing in the House. You'll see at least three or four in the Senate. Okay. So even if any of these bills get through, they will be repealed. Um, I don't think they'll ever get through the, uh, I, I don't think at this point, the infrastructure bill will make the light of day. It's very clear. If you listen to the way the Democrats are horse yeah, trading. Yeah, talk this. about this. Go in detail on this. Yeah, no, the, the way the Democrats are horse trading this, they're horse trading away all of the the, the tax increases except for the wealth tax, because they want all the regulation. They want the wealth tax in place because they think that that's going to win them votes with the, the angry millennials. Including the capital gains, right? <clears throat> right. Well, well, no, they're willing, to, they're, they're willing to trade away capital gains. Okay. They're willing to trade away salt deduction. They already have. They're willing to trade away um, all the, you know, you know, middle-class tax rises, you know, all that stuff. Because you got to realize that middle-class now in America, like it or not, you can't survive a middle-class existence. It doesn't exist. It doesn't doesn't exist. Yeah. I I agree with that. Right. But let's just be, let's just kind of talk about it. You're the rate at which the level, the income level you need to maintain even a reasonable middle, middle middle-class lifestyle uh, in the United States has, is rising like 8% to 10%. It's like 300,000. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say that. I would say well, 80. Oh, oh okay. I'd say 80. I, well, I'm thinking about I where to, I, where I used I, to believe that I could live a middle-class lifestyle of 45 grand a year. No, I'm talking about where, I'm talking about where I live in California, right? Oh, you, yeah, where well, you could live we, in California. I live in Florida. I live yeah. in upstate, upstate Florida. Yeah. You could, you couldn't do like my, my property taxes are $1,500 a year. I own a house yeah. of 15 acres. Yeah. Yeah. No, California okay. property taxes yeah, are 20,000. I mean, in states like Texas and Florida, that makes sense. 80,000. I mean, I, I remember getting out of school, teaching English, high school English. I was making 40,000. I feel like I was living like a king, you know, and in Dallas, right? I mean, it was. Dude, I, I was a. We were able to live on less than thirty thousand dollars a year, even in Gainesville, mm-hmm. which is you yeah. know, which is you know, should live central. No, you know, because there is no better way of putting that. I, I, I promise you, I wouldn't. You know, I wouldn't use four letter words. But there's, nah, just, there's no other way to describe that, that, Gainesville that, other than that. That, that, like, that it is what it is. Yeah. So, so, yeah. um, 
you know, you used to be able to live there, live here for that price. You can't. I mean, you can't. I mean, it's not not possible. So, um, when you really start to do the math, it's 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 getting really bad really quickly. And I don't think that I think that they're trying to play class warfare and eat the rich and hope that that's going to keep them from resonating from their support cratering amongst millennials. It's not because they're the ones even more angry about where things have gone than anyone else. Cause they're the ones getting screwed worse than everybody else. So you're going to see that that's, so they're willing to horse trade away all of the progressives um, talking points, all the money, most of the tax increases, but they still want the wealth tax. And then they want all the regulations. They want the they want the Janet Yellen, Gary Gensler inspired, Davos inspired um, uh, legislation and, and regulations that would effectively ban crypto, that would effectively turn everybody who buys and sells a crypto and turn them into a broker and then regulate them like a broker. They mm-hmm. want full access to our bank accounts. They want full access to everything. So- okay. That is what they're not willing to horse trade away. So the gig here is to understand that the Democrats are desperate to keep everybody focused on the money and not focused on the language in the bill, where what you're if you really read behind between the lines from people like Manchin and even cinema to a great to a lesser extent. And now even, you know, like Mitt Romney are all feeling the heat from Wall Street, who are the ones that are making sure that these people get reelected, because who the hell is giving them money other than Wall Street and Amazon at this point? Right. Okay. They're all saying, no, this cannot pass. They're going to destroy our ability to even have on entrepreneurs here in the United States. Okay. So like, se- separate so, the, inf- okay, I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm- so the, so the infrastructure bill and, and the budget together, it doesn't really matter. Both of them together represent effectively a coup by European commies. Mm-hmm. It's really just that simple. I hate to be reductionist about it, but why go even into any de- more detail than that? They literally just want to destroy the ability of anybody to build wealth, enter the middle class, and then maintain any wealth. They want the right to be able to tax that away completely, more so than they already do, which is insane. They already tax all, almost all the profit away in the first place. So we're coming into an election year. Right. I, I, will the will the Democrats abandon this idea because they they know that they need to get reelected? When when does when does the 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 chat on this stop? Where the where does when probably does, around yeah. March, right? Okay. Once we start getting into the primary season, so, and a whole lot of moderate Democrats start showing up to challenge the AOCs and the rest of them mm-hmm. uh, in the primary. And they're not going to get any party support whatsoever. But at the end of the day, the party is just a mailing list. I mean, I used to do libertarian party politics. And I can tell you that when we used to show up on street corners or at farmers markets or whatever, just to like do a signature drive or do a a thing, anything, just to have a table, like at presidents at the county fair, you would think that this is normal. The Republicans and the Democrats are both, this is 20 years ago, would come Mm -hmm. up there and goes, wow, you guys are really organized. Like there's 12 of us. So, so where that's like, we're the whole Lachimal County Libertarian Party. All 12 of us, I got on the show up. And they're like, you guys are so organized because they really, the parties literally are mailing lists of donors and nothing else. So I want to ask you about Joe Manchin. Do you sure. think, and this is the, uh, I've had this in my idea. Do you think he's trying to be a moderate centrist so he can run for president in 2024? No, I don't. I think he's trying to survive because West Virginia is coal country and right. West Virginia is a hell of a lot more conservative than anybody thinks they are. Right. And just like West turned Virginia wants to secede from Virginia. Right. Right. And become part of West Virginia. I think Manchin just wants just like staying in power. He likes being a Senator. So uh, he's not dumb. And I think that, and at the end of the day, the Democrats are not a party. Yeah, that's correct. They're a loose coalition, as my partner Dexter White put it in a, in a, in a podcast the other day. They're a coalition of the aggrieved. Oh, it's the best actually, way to describe them. Okay. Okay. Right. And now the aggrieved are like, what are you doing to us? Okay. So now you're screwing us. All right. They don't have a they don't have a party platform. So you 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 said something that I found very interesting. I'm going to give you credit for it. You said if they're talking 25th Amendment, they're talking Kamala. 
If they're talking impeachment, they're talking both Joe and Kamala go. Right. Yes. Even though even though the, the the votes probably won't be there to to move away. Right. That I mean, Pelosi Senate. comes in if that happens. Yeah. Right. Now, Pelosi's not going to Pelosi doesn't want the job. She's going to she 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 already she, she floated the idea as a horse trade the other day to say, look, just pass the infrastructure bill and I'll retire. Yeah. But but uh, but but about wow. that. So in 2024, who do, who do, I mean, it's just 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 prognosticate on the Democratic side. How do you see that playing out in 2024? Barring that Joe doesn't hit his head on the Air Force One steps and go into a coma. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, he keeps. Slipping. I don't think the Democrats have anybody in 2024, and I think whoever they put up will be a sacrificial lamb to the Republicans. I think Davos has already bracketed that they're going to lose the midterms and they're going to lose. Before we get to Davos, the 2024 we're election, we're going to talk I think about. They, that. I think that's part of their the strategy. The strategy is to foment a war between us and China between now and then, prosecuted by Republicans. Okay, so let me say something to you. So mm. I, I know you're a libertarian, right? Yep. And when I first when I first saw Trump, right, as, as crass as he was, I thought he was a better alternative than Hillary. That's all I'm going to say about it, right? But so then, but then, then, then he started losing me as just the school when he debated Joe Biden. Right. I said, uh, you know, you're just a school board, but bully, you've lost me. Right. I'm just mm -hmm. I'm just saying he lost he lost centrist Democrats. He lost centrist Republicans. So he lost the, the, that that 30 percent in the middle from the 50 yard line. He lost them. Right. Mm. When whether he lost the election, I don't want I want to give him that. Right. But I don't believe that he is going to be the one who's going to be the candidate in 2024. I, I, I don't I hope he's not. Yeah. Trump isn't mm -hmm. by 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 2024. I, I, I mean, look, do I think that Trump has got his faculties? Yes. Do I think at 74 or 75 years old, whatever he'll be uh, by then, will he still be, um, will he still have those faculties? Most likely. Um, he's in, he's in good shape. But, I mean, you know, he's in good shape in that respect. He's got good genes. Yada, yada, yada. And I just think he's too um, disagreeable. To like, okay, you know, so who? I think he's just too disagreeable to get Parkinson's or Alzheimer's or anything. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah. I mean, it's like yeah. there's a part of me that just thinks that the guy is yeah. just like too larger than life to allow something like a, a disease to take a hold of him. Right? Yeah, no, it's he's like, just gonna like he's gonna like stop one day. No, he's, he's like, it's like he, he'll outlive Barack Obama on spite. Right? Yeah, well, yeah, that too. Right? Yeah, yeah, just yeah. because you know, even though Barack Obama is 20 years younger, I, all I'm saying right. about, it. but but what I'm saying to you is, it's so like, who do you think the Republicans put forward in 2024? I mean, you know, I, it's a good, it it's be a good question, and I'll, I'll I'll tell you that I hope it's not Ron DeSantis. His work here in Florida isn't done yet. Well, he already said he's not, so that's a problem if he goes from not to yes. Uh, he'll change, well, see, he'll my, change my his problem, mind. My problem is is that they're puffing him up to give him the op making him think that he has the opportunity. Right. Okay. They look. They always try to puff up a guy who is not quite ready for the job. Right. So do you think in uh, order to destroy his political career? Ah, OK. Do you think like a Tom Cotton or a Holly or a no, Jim I don't Jordan? think it'll be a neocon. I think that if anybody at this point, it won't. I think we needed a firebrand in 2016. Right. Got it. We needed fraud in 2020. Mm. And I think the guy who's who's, you know, finally finally something to get some hair on his chin and, you know, on, and on his balls is Rand Paul. I think I don't I Rand Paul comes across as a beta male, right? He doesn't have presidential thing, but I don't know that that's he's not, needed, right? But I don't know that that's not the right persona for what yeah. we, what we're going to need in 2024. I get it. Was, it's not even just my personal opinion. The guy personally took down Dr. Fauci, who is now being thrown under the bus as chum over this. I mean, dude, you think that the Beagle story didn't wasn't leaked to PETA on purpose? Yeah. Like, come on. Okay. Like, you know, don't, don't please don't treat me like I'm stupid. Like they're, they're they now need to get rid of Fauci because Fauci's outlived his usefulness, right? So, so uh, this IRS Snoop bill, right, for six hundred now ten thousand, but that doesn't see the light of day unless it's st stuck into the infrastructure, right. correct? Yes. All right. So, so that's that's dead as as long as I think it's all dead. I think crypt. I think all the crypto regulation that that Yellen has put in is dead. I think it's all dead. I think it's all dead because Wall Street said, "Look, this is the way we go forward as a banking as, as a as a as a going concern because commercial banking is dead." So who keeps who keeps checking the who keeps checking deposits in a world of crypto? 
no, <laughs> I, I, I understand. I get that. Before we get come right into crypto, but I want to talk to you more about. So we got the, uh, you know, by the time this, this this podcast airs, right, the deadline right. for October 31st will have come and passed, right, and the highway bill and, and, and et cetera, et cetera. So talk about that and also like the shutdown on the third, because I, I personally think Mitch McConnell played brilliantly. Everyone says that he, 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 he capitulated. I said, not. Yeah, no, it's like, okay, I'm going to do this for you. I'm, I'm going to get an We're going to do it, but we're never doing it again. We're never doing it again. And, and he said to everybody, and it's, it's his PR campaign. We're never doing it again. So w- how, play the tape for me. What's going to happen? Okay. What's that going to mean? So the debt ceiling thing is going to wind up the Democrats. Look, this is the way this plays. The Democrats are trying to manufacture a narrative as to why we need these spending bills. Right? Mm-hmm. We have raging inflation. They're manufacturing a supply chain crisis out in the port in California. Right. Right. To, justi- to, to, just, to justify the infrastructure. See, if we had better infrastructure, we wouldn't have these problems. Even well, though it's, just, it's not just that. It's that they're trying to manufacture. Um, yeah, well, it is. It's part of that. It's that they're just trying to manufacture that we we need the money in order to 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 get this to to build this country back better, which the way we build it back better is to um, t- tell the governor of California, you don't get any more money until you allow the you allow trucks older than three years old onto your roads to go to the ports to get to, to get filled up and take take stuff points east, because that's what's stopping. Right. All of this. The, the ports from operating. It's a simple rule that Amazon understood, you know, and Walmart knew was a problem six years ago was coming. Right. And right. tried desperately to reach, you know, rejigger their supply chains on, but there's only so much you can do. Supply chains are not things you just change overnight. Okay. So, you know, yeah, you can move, send more stuff through the Panama Canal oh, until okay. some, you know, until some, until some dot head, you know, draws a cock and balls in in, in the sea, <laughs> and then and then rams it into the side of the of the Panama Canal, like they did with the they did with the Suez. So like, you don't think that's going to happen, like like next week? So bring like, me, bring me bring me full speed. Like what what are they going to do about like the this 30, 31 October, which is no longer a date right now that we're getting closer and nothing's going to be passed. Right. And what's going to happen with the with the debt ceiling? Well, tell me how that plays out. I mean, are, is the government going to shut the, down? The Democrats are eventually no, going to have to down. raise the debt ceiling. What the but, Democrats are doing is that they are blackmailing the world by saying, look, remember, what Davos is really trying to do is to create chaos on Capitol Hill in order to blackmail the global global capital. Like the people who manage all the money are looking at the stuff going on Capitol Hill going, where do I put my money? Can't put it in the China. Their banking sector is it's closed. One, it's closed, and two, their their entire property market is starting to implode. Right. Can't put it into Europe. They're a basket case. Can't can't keep it in the United States. Who the hell knows what these people are going to come up with next week? They're all senile. This is the they don't want anything to move. What they want is they want all the money to move to to Europe, right? Because that's the only way Europe survives. Is if the money that currently gets invested here in the United States moves into Europe. Okay. Okay. The Russian markets aren't big enough. Think about where you have to think of of global capital like water after a hurricane. Okay, so okay, so so, 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 no, no, so, so I'm okay, give cool. me a couple seconds. Sorry. So once you understand that, and they're what they're trying to do is they're trying to keep the inflow from coming into the United States and flowing out of Europe, even though because anybody uh, with with eyes to see can see that Europe is the most uh, vulnerable guy in a rising interest rate, strong dollar. Yeah. Um, environment they're, 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 so, they're, they're the first to fall and then right they would be the first to fall yeah, so like, jerome powell sterilizing mm-hmm. 1.2 trillion dollars with the worth of stimulus effectively in the within the reverse repo market by raising the, the rate by from zero percent to 0.05 percent to five basis points moved 1.2 trillion dollars over four months into that facility that took that off the market it took it, the multiplier of that money off the market it drained the euro dollar markets it tri- it's crashed the euro from a dollar 22 to a dollar 15.5 okay it's raised interest rates across the board in the United States and in Europe by 50 basis points by half a percent who can afford that who can afford that we can they can't that's why they're trying uh, to get rid of Powell. That's why they're trying. That's why the that's why the insider trading scam against Powell. That's why all of this stuff. So now <sighs> what the blackmail here is, if you don't give us our infrastructure bill and our spending and you don't let us have our commie takeover, you know, what we're going to do we're going to default in the debt. Got it. Got it. It's <laughs> a it's a they're, they're literally 
arguing against themselves. It's like the scene in Blazing Saddles when Cleavon Little's holding the gun to his head. Yeah, yeah. Don't say it. Don't. Don't. Dare me not to shoot myself. Like, no, please. So, so, so just please do so and put us all in your so, fucking misery. So this, like, this, this, this comes back to what you're talking about right now, right? With the inflation that's going on. Yes. Fed, Fed, uh, interest rates up. Or another lockdown to stop the money velocity. What what are they going to do? Right. So that's what. So that's where they are. So that's the Fed right refuses. Yeah. The Fed is trying to taper, which is yep. a smart thing to yep. do. And everybody and everybody who's only focused domestically sees this as a policy error. I'm like, they're not raising interest rates or tapering QE no, because they of the policy error. They they're do doing it. it because the savings rate is now below five percent to three and a half percent. Whenever the savings rate drops below five percent, the Fed ends a QE program. Go back to 2011. Chart the savings rate versus when they started and stopped QE. I used to publish this chart all the time, and you can see it. It's a one to one correlation. Like literally. Okay. So they that's that's all the Fed is doing. They're doing what they always do. They're going, oh look, the people aren't saving. They're spending their money. They don't need they don't need the support anymore. So they, you know, they they end QE and they start trying to raise rates. That's right. what they should do. And by doing that, they also tell they also are stuffing the US banks full of collateral. That's what the reverse repo facility is doing. Right, because it's a reverse repo. Is the Fed buys cash and sends out and lends out securities. So those securities are held as collateral against all this savings that people have been putting stuffing into their bank accounts, afraid of the future. Mm -hmm. That because your deposits on your deposits in a bank are the bank's liability. They need either collateral or they need to lend that money out. If they can't lend the money out, right, then they have to. Um, then they have to have some other kind of collateral in order to offset the liability, which is your deposit. So with a massive savings rate that happened after COVID, after you know, COVID 9-11 started, then the Fed was then the banks were screaming for capital and the money market rates went negative and zero at the, at the short end and all of that stuff. So think this through one step further. The the the, the Democrats are saying the the thing that they that is the United States greatest asset is that when push comes to shove, we don't default on the debt. We've always paid. Even when we defaulted technically under the Clinton administration, eventually right. everybody got paid. Right. Okay? Well, what about a CBDC as the false flag on this is how we don't default? I mean, um, the, 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 the Fed is not going, it is, is nowhere near the, the central bank. Yeah. Okay. So Powell gives it lip service simply because he has to, um, you can't, we will be the last country in the world to go on a, a central bank digital currency. Got if, it. if they happen, okay, they will be the last, we will be the last because we're the world's reserve currency. Yeah, it doesn't the, seem necessary. The Euro, the, the European Union wants to go there first. It's the only way they get out from underneath their debt load is to issue perpetual debt, to default on their debt, issue perpetual debt at a quarter point, and then put everybody on a digital euro. So, okay? so here, here's what I have to tell And the reason I'm jumping is that I could talk to you for four <laughs> or five hours, okay? But my, my audience... Uh, they probably after they hear you, we'll do it. But but when I bring you back, but also my friend Jim says he wants he wants he said specifically about the the Bitcoin futures ETF, and he says at first I wasn't worried about this, but 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 he but people haven't had the pain that I I Jim and Luongo have had as it relates to gold and silver. Yep, no. Yep. Yeah, you know, the, the 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 Bitcoin futures ETF is just another liquid is just another fossil liquidity sink in order to try and bleed off investor energy away from Bitcoin. Not to Bitcoin. not to raise it up the price and then crash it? No, I don't think it's not, not as a pump and dump. It's not, it's it's actually not that at all. If you look since the thing started trading, Bitcoin hasn't moved. Well, yeah, I mean, it went from 60, it's, I mean, 60 to 67. It's moved right up to its all-time high and it's kind of sitting there and it's playing around and it should do that for a few days before it goes higher. Mm -hmm. But, and this, and the, and the, the total capital in the bitcoin market just one of my one of our patrons one of our, our brethren posted a chart up on our private slack server this morning which by the way for all patrons i have run a private slack server yeah well let's take the, let's take an opportunity let's let's, so, let's and that and that has an aggregation of i think some of the smartest freaking people in the world they make they 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 keep me um uh they keep me on my toes one second and published a, a great let, let, candlestick chart of the of the total um, uh, market cap of the crypto market this morning, and I looked, took one look at it, and went, "Oh, look, that's a 
that's a breakout on the weekly chart. Like, <laughs> hold on, Tom. Tom, we, day, I want to give you the opportunity to plug that. So let's let's so let's know your Slack. You can do that. At, you know, you can follow me over at Patreon slash Patreon uh, Patreon slash Gold Goats and Guns. You can go over to my website at tomlawanga.me. There's a link in the sidebar if you so if you want to do so. There's always a link at every the bottom of every one of my articles. And I'm just gonna say this: I endorse you. I endorse Tom Luongo, okay? If you want to be learned you want to expand your consciousness, and if you want to know the why behind the why, you follow this dude. But anyhow, okay, so let's talk about uh, the possible fall of the republic. Oh, man. Well, okay. We, we don't have oh, enough I time know, for I, that. Look, I've been I've been handicapping it since 2007. I, um. This is not just, this is, we're so divided. People say, hey, we're headed towards civil war. It's like, what are you talking about? But headed? at the same time, we don't want to. We don't want to actually go there yet. I, I, mean, I, it's, I mean, as so as it would solve so many problems, it's a last it resort. Would also, give Davos the win that they want. From the moment I said, I said, coming into the election, and I know you probably read this, which is that this is the most this is the most consequential and irrelevant election of all time, because no matter what happens, Davos wins. We're talking about twenty twenty. We're talking about twenty twenty. Okay. So, yeah. All right. In that. If Biden wins, they get their puppet installed and then they run the table and they put they install a whole bunch of Democrats and and then we get what we're getting. Um, and honestly, I firmly believe that they already expected to have gotten all of this done. But now they're scrambling and it's it's nearly November and they don't have it done yet. They don't have any of it done yet. But that's an aside. Or we get Trump and the country is more divided than it ever has been. Well, I and then they. And it sets the country on the path towards civil war, or at the very least towards secession, because the Davos-controlled blue states would absolutely have already seceded if Trump had been reelected. So they I would ju- have already tried. I just oppose when I just sit back and think about it. Right? Just I believe that right. the, the the there's the atheists and there's theists, right? And and I just believe that God is a divine ruler and He picks everybody, everybody. And I believe had Trump. Got in. I said I think it would have been worse for the, the Republican Party. It would have been worse for the country. I just I just do, and it's almost like now they're cannibalizing their own. They they got yes. what they wanted. They own all three. They, they own all three, and they they, own, they own all of it, and they can't get any of it done. Yeah, right. And, and it's just like and it's and even even the the media is cannibalizing on them. And no, I mean yeah. who who's safe? Who's sacred? Right? Nobody. No. No. And no, you're absolutely right. I mean, I I when you know. My first order effect was I. The last thing I want to do is have to go through it this way, because I didn't want to see that. Trump won the election, as far as I'm concerned. There's no doubt in my mind that Biden was selected, not elected. Fine, but now you got what you got, which is that when you push people farther away from what it is that they wanted, all you're doing is you're not winning. You think you're winning, but all you're doing is creating the very opposition, the irrational opposition to your rule. If you want to understand who, where we are, I recommend everybody go out and watch Dune because we're the Fremen. And if you know the story, you know what the Fremen do in the second half of the novel and in the subsequent novel. No, no, novels. no. Go, go t- t- tell the readers. And back it up which a is that? Yeah, which is that these people who have been downtrodden and destroyed and beaten down and had everything taken away from them become the hardest, meanest, most unrelenting sons of bitches you ever saw, <laughs> and they destroy all kind of, of kind the old order. Kind of like what everybody did to Afghanistan. Not everybody in Afghanistan was Al-Qaeda, was with Bin Laden. I personally believe that Osama Bin Laden and Al-Qaeda was 100 guys. And they had the the greatest PR event for their cause that they could have ever done. They yeah. brought down those towers. They Kaiser Soze'd everyone. Yeah, they Kaiser Soze'd everybody. Exactly. And then all of a sudden now, you know. Well, no, but like Al-Qaeda is, you know, Al-Qaeda was a CIA operation. Correct. Let's, Correct. Let's not kid ourselves. No, no, no. From, like Obama was Obama created those guys and they created ISIS in Syria and they created out they created HTS or whatever. Yeah. They were. You know, the 90, 94 different names that they've gone under over in Idlib. And I can go on. We, we could spend an hour talking about the machinations in Syria um, and how they've lost there. And I and I remember saying back in 2015, which you weren't you and I weren't you know, in each other's orbit back then. But I remember getting pushback from my editor over at Newsmax when I said I wrote the November issue for my newsletter and said um, 
Vladimir Putin's in, intervention in Syria is the most consequential geopolitical event of the 21st century and will now change the entire geopolitical map. Yeah, because, well, it's a, in six weeks, he's going to blow apart because right. in six weeks, his, 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 his air force is going to blow apart all of the myths and all of the narratives about the situation in Syria. And someone finally stood up to the empire and said, no. And there's not going to be a damn thing that the empire can do about yeah, it. Yeah, no, you're talking about uh, Putin crossing Putin, Obama's Putin, many Putin red lines. Inter, yeah, Putin intervening yeah. in Syria and bringing the air force in in Syria in October of 2015. Let's talk about that. So sometimes, you know, there, there's this runaway train, right? There's a lot of things that could cause, you know, d d disharmony or dysphoria here in, in America. It could mm -hmm. be Taiwan being invaded by China. It could be mm -hmm. Russia, Crimea. North Korea to South Korea, doubtful, right? But it could be one of those, something, something Palestine, Israel. It could be one of those things. Iran, all, Israel. Yeah, it could, be this, it could be one of those things that really all of a sudden just sets everything off. I mean, well, no one's China, talking China, about China, this. Taiwan, China and Taiwan is the one that's going to force people's hands. I mean, that's well, going to force it, 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 it is, and I'll, and I'll tell you. Of all those scenarios, if you ask me. It, you can see it, and I'll tell you how. Uh, Russia and Ukraine we've already yeah we've already, already been there we've already basically yeah. told them we don't have it we don't have an answer to that right. and if the ukrainians lose their minds and attack the donbass um the ukrainians are going to lose the entire southern right. half of the country It'll take care all of the itself. way to transnistria okay in moldova and they and the russians will own the entire northern border of the black sea yeah. all the way to odessa indeed okay yeah. now that that's a given that was laid out by shoigu the the russian defense minister to both victoria newland two weeks ago and to Joe Biden and everybody in June, okay? But the Ukrainians don't have, they don't think they have any options at this point. And if Zelensky, so just the way things are gonna work out, it's. It, I don't think that's gonna happen. What I think is gonna happen is nothing. I think the Ukrainian government is going to implode. It's going to, Kiev is gonna be a mess. And eventually the Donbass will uh, ask for uh, accession into the Russian Federation, and then both Donetsk and Lukansk all the way to Crimea, so that there's a contiguous border with the peninsula, will become part of the Russian Federation. That's well, what's going to happen. Because if you look at the borders of Donetsk and Lukansk, that's the way. It okay. Would play okay. Out. Well, what I was saying was uh, that, but, that Biden's but, but, not going to do anything. No, Biden. Biden's not going to do anything. Davos is setting things up with COVID. To the, it was the lab leak theory. The day that Rand Paul cornered Fauci and said, hey, I got you dead to rights. You guys created this gain-of-function right. in the Wuhan Gain-of-function research. And the yep. next day, the whole of the media, controlled by Davos, was out there going, yep, COVID started in a lab and it was foisted on us by China. This got zero hedge ban from Twitter, suggest, even suggesting that a year previously. This got everybody in alternative media Deplatform to even suggest this, and now all of a sudden, yeah, twelve hours after Anthony Fauci is cornered with perjury in on the Senate on the Senate floor by Rand Paul, the media then turned does a complete one eighty. Why yeah. would they do that? They would do that only because they know that the Democrats are going to get crushed in the midterms. They're going to lose both houses. Joe Biden is not going to survive until not going to survive cognitively. They're already turning on him. He'll be out of office by March in some way, March or April, of, no later. Of 2022? Two. Okay. Yes, of this year coming up. I mean, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But let's 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 put a number on it. March or April. I think he's got five months. And then once that once that started, what do you think? They they can see into the future. The Republicans are going to take over. And what are they going to do from here on out? They're going to try and foment a war with China. The, the Biden administration has been the most diplomatically inept organization we have ever seen. Now, ask yourself the question, are these people really just incompetent? Or were they are they being paid to be purposefully belligerent? Why did we put troops on the ground in Taiwan and then have the Wall Street Journal mention it six weeks ago or four weeks ago, four to six weeks ago in public such that the Chinese now have to respond to it. The Chinese have known there's been two dozen military advisors on the ground in Taiwan for a year. But why all of a sudden does the Wall Street Journal make that public knowledge that the Chinese have to respond to? 
Okay. Start putting, these are the things you have to look at. Every time the United States does something provocative vis-a-vis Taiwan, it's being done on purpose to force the Chinese to not lose face and have to defend right. their one China policy. Okay. Here, here, here's the last thing. I okay. Mean- and that's, and that's the thing that's, and that's where the Biden administration works for Davos. Davos wants a war between the U.S. and China because if the United States and China go to war, the capital then go, does what? Floods to Europe. Print more money. Yeah. Right. So, so what to Europe because just like it ran away from Europe and Japan and in during World War II, the place where we were, that wasn't bombed back to the Stone Age was the United States. We sat there as the tax haven. All the capital came to us, invested, it created an entire lifetime's worth of, of, uh, of, of, of economic certainty, certainty, right. Certainty and hegemony. I mean, all that, all that investment, we've just been living off that investment for 80 years. Well, guess what? The Europeans want that. So let's bring it back. Their colonies back, man. Yeah, they do. The most racist people on the planet. They hate the Slavs and think they're dirty untermensch. They hate the friggin' Chinese. They think they're just ants. Yeah. They hate the colonies Let because we, the Africans, we stood yeah. up to them. Like, are you kidding me? We're turning the world over to German eugenicists and we think this is a good freaking idea? So what about we, crypto? Uh, what about, you know, 80 years ago? So like, crypto. Let's talk about how, how crypto, with all the dysphoria, all the dysfunctionality, crypto, a life of it, a universal, right, impenetrable life. life yeah, yeah, talk about... Yeah, you go. You take as much rope as you want on this. This is how we're ending. So go as long okay. as you need to. So the way I see crypto is this, and it's very complicated because it's very obvious that these these people that we've been talking about for the last however long we've been chatting for a little under an hour now, um, don't want any of this. They don't. They've been suppressing gold for God knows how long. They control the gold market. Uh, and they control the gold market because they mostly control the supply of physical gold, right? Because where does most of the physical gold in the world reside? In the vaults of central banks. Okay. Crypto, on the other hand, is owned by the people for the most part. Yeah, governments are finally starting to toe dip here and there. And there's some, there, I'm sure that JP Morgan has a position. This one has a position, yada, yada, yada. But think about the entire crypto market. Think about the $2.6 trillion it now represents. Whether that number is inflated or not is irrelevant by, you know, by Tether being a Ponzi scheme is irrelevant. I'm trying to like, Go through all of the stuff for the for the Bitcoin and crypto veterans in the audience. So none of that is relevant. What is relevant is that the blockchain is immutable. Bitcoin is incorruptible, ultimately, at the blockchain level. And if Bitcoin and if they're able to get control of Bitcoin through taxation and regulation and all the rest of it, so that it make you make they make it impossible for us to interface with quote unquote meat space with it with their dollar based meat space. Well, that's fine. You drive it underground. Eventually, you're just going to create an underground economy that trades in Bitcoin or some other other coin that is you know easily fungible and more and more trans transferable. Just to give an example, if the Bitcoin blockchain can't handle the uh, the transaction density, then we move it on to Dash or we move it on to something else. It doesn't matter. But with Lightning Network, like we've got plenty of liquidity. So and look at what's happening with Lightning. Network. And look at how quickly Lightning is seeing the density of, of uh, transactions that they're getting as quickly as they can. The, the crypto is bringing, and with Lightning and, and all of these other things, are bringing first world money transfer and money handling ability to the third world at a rate faster than cell phones brought technology to Africa. Yeah, I just want to quote a figure. Africa bypassed laying copper lines everywhere for phones because by the time we got to start putting copper lines in across Africa for phone lines, everybody could just put up cell towers. Yeah, it was uh, like it took a, a 10, 11 years to actually get to 100 million, right? Bitcoin right. users. Right. And then it took 18 months after that to get to 200 million, right? right. Just the, the exponentiation that you're talking about and right. the unbanked. So, you know, we're looking at 4 billion people. I mean, when the, when the, when the, the aspirations of these European technocrats is insane. But what do, they, what do they control? 500 million people? Right, right, right. Yeah, right. Like, I, and then I go look at Indonesia and I go, huh, that's nice. <laughs> I haven't even talked about Vietnam, Cambodia, 
You, the Philippines, Thailand, you, you will, Thailand, Thailand you, Malaysia, you, for example, <laughs> just these few, these few insignificant places with, you know, a few people in them. Will you, will you come? Yeah, I used to talk about this when I used to study. I studied for a while. I worked for a while when I was doing that. When I was working for five dollars an article, I was working with a guy, a broker out of Vietnam. I learned more about Vietnamese penny stocks than most human beings should ever want to know. And that's serious. I used to do, and I used to do um, investment reports for European small caps. Oh, no, sorry, Vietnamese small caps. Okay, so I know that area of the world at least you know circa 2012, 2013, 2014 really well. And the way things work over there, I'm telling you, they were the first, and they were the first adopters of Bitcoin as a currency. Like there were Starbucks and coffee shops in Ho Chi Minh City taking Bitcoin in 2013. Okay, the Central Bank of, of Vietnam, the SBV, was already trying to figure out what to do about this damn Bitcoin thing back then. Okay, like Davos has no ability to control these people. Like it's not even, it's not even, it's not even like it's so dumb. It's not even to be believed. So we're all worried because we're here in the first world and we're worried they're going to take our Bitcoin away from us. Like, dude, they're going to say whatever we do to ourselves here is just going to ensure that we don't get we don't get to use Bitcoin. One, just remember, but they will. Three Bitcoin gets you permanent residence in El Salvador. That's all I'm saying. Tom Luongo, thank you so much for actually giving us your time. You're coming back. You know that. You're right. You're coming back. Whenever you want, dude. Just like, just, just set it up, and I'll definitely, be happy to do it. Definitely. Yeah, definitely coming back. Come back. So anyhow, I, hey, Travis. I, I endorse you too, Tom Luongo. <laughs> thank you, sir. Travis, our engineer. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much for another show. Dave, Dave uh, Hampton, Robo Recruiter, you are great. Eternally grateful. If you're looking for a job in crypto, blockchain, NFT, whatever it is, you call me. And remember, everybody, get whispered.